Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. It is great to be with you. Uh, Another Monday morning here in Southern California. It is July 26th. That is crazy how fast the summer is going by. Uh, Before you know it, uh, two of my kids will be back at college. Uh, The third will be starting junior year in high school. And you know how that goes, right? Uh, The minute school starts, things get back in motion. And before you know it, the school year's gone. That's how fast years are going by these days, at least for me and my family. I'm not sure what it's like for you, but it just seems that that is the the way it works. I don't know if it's for everyone right now or if it's just a, a phase of life thing. You know, back when the kids were younger, school years did not go by very fast. I mean, it it felt like time just kind of dragged along. And then these days, as kids are older and and there's just a lot more going on. Uh, I feel like the years go by faster for some reason. It's like time is getting shorter the older that we get. But maybe it's just me. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into our minute of transparency for this week. So I call this one Run for the Hills. Um, so I was raised in a very traditional Christian home in a denomination with very specific beliefs on pretty much every topic, right? All the topics that people tend to debate to death. Um, And my parents reinforced these beliefs throughout my childhood. Uh, And then I went through a Christian school. Uh, I received, boy, I think I was in, yeah, I was in Christian school from first grade all the way through college, Uh, except for one year, I went to public school in eighth grade. Now, I tell you this, you know, not because it's key to my story, but because it will become useful later on uh, as we dive into our topic for today. Back to the story. All right. I've talked about living in Wyoming. Uh, Our family moved out there from Chicago when I was done with first grade, just heading into second grade, and we stayed in Wyoming for the next seven years. And, you know, we became kind of outdoorsy people, right? We we did some camping, hiking, fishing. We bought a truck, pickup truck, and we would go off-roading uh, into the backcountry uh, and basically just spent a lot of time in nature, right? It was a complete change of pace from the life that we were living in Chicago. Though I only know that because of what I was told after the fact, You know, my actual memories prior to second grade are pretty sketchy. So my memories of life in Wyoming are that much more foundational, right? Because they're kind of the definition of my childhood, at least the childhood that I can remember. Yes, there was school, homework, chores, church, and all that kind of stuff. But what I really remember are the many trips we took, exploring our surroundings, experiencing the wild, wild west, Trips to Yellowstone, Glacier, the Grand Tetons, the Bighorn Mountains, the McCullough Peaks, the Pryor Peaks, 
uh, Heart Mountain, South Fork, Thermopolis, and the list just goes on and on. Vacations, long weekends, Saturday afternoon day trips, all of these added up to the childhood that I remember. But it was on one of those trips that something happened, something that has stuck with me to this day. I believe we were on a trip to the South Fork or possibly the Sunshine Basin area, but at any rate, it was a family outing. All of us packed into a family vehicle and headed for a remote area where we could hike and explore. And at some point along the road in this remote area, uh, we came across a large cave. Now, it wasn't a cave that we drove right next to. It was off in the distance a little ways, but if we had stopped and got out, we could probably have hiked to it in a good 10 to 15 minutes. And I remember my dad stopping the car because he realized that we, the kids, were looking at the cave and that we found it interesting for some reason. So we sat there along the road looking at the cave, and I'm, I'm sure the kids were asking questions like, oh my goodness, I wonder if there's something in there, or what lives in there, um, maybe it's a bear, right, things like that. And we were just having this good conversation about this cave. And then at some point, uh, my dad asked the question or made the statement, you know, we should make a pact right now as a family, right here and now. At the end of time, when things get really crazy, we should all meet back here to ride out the storm. Now, some of you may have no idea what that means or why he would have even brought that up. But others of you, those raised in a more traditional Christian setting, um, might have had a similar experience, right? Discussions about running to the hills or heading for the mountains um, during the time of trouble at the end of time. The crazy thing for me is that I can even remember that conversation right? I mean, that was, I was pretty young, and yet that just sticks out. But that isn't the end of the story. So I was on the phone the other day with my younger brother, and we got into some topic, uh, some religious-related topic, or more specifically, like the religious traditions that we were raised with. And we were going back and forth, you know, sharing our take on how it had impacted us in our life and, you know, what we believe now versus what we believe then, all of those things. When out of the blue, he said, remember that time we drove by that cave and we all agreed to meet there at the end of time? I was shocked. Of course I remember. I said, but how do you remember? You were five years younger than me. You had to be at that age where things like that just didn't get stored in your permanent memory bank. And yet you remembered it just like me. And it was one of those strange moments, right? Serendipity, deja vu, whatever, you know, those kind of moments where you feel like there's something bigger going on. For me, this is part of my story, part of my upbringing, and it's important to me. However, I'm not naive. I understand that when a person hears a story like this, there's a chance that they smirk, laugh, call it dumb, suggest that it stems from nothing more than a conspiracy theory, which is why I told the story, because that's our topic for today. Today's topic is transcending conspiracy theories. And in this episode, we're going to talk about three things. First, the birth of conspiracy. Second, your beliefs drive your experience. And finally, knowledge is king. Number one, the birth of conspiracy. So let's hit the ground running here by defining what we're talking about. Uh, Dictionary.com defines conspiracy theory like this. 
First, a theory that rejects the standard explanation for an event and instead credits a covert group or organization with carrying out a secret plot. Number two, a belief that a particular unexplained event was caused by such a covert group. And finally, the idea that many important political events or economic and social trends are byproducts of deceptive plots, or that they are largely unknown to the general public. So these are the theories, right? These are theories, beliefs, or ideas that can't be proven. Things we believe, even though we don't have proof, instead of taking the given explanation, or the explanation that makes the most sense. Instead, we believe the opposite, or we read something covert or sinister into the situation. Now, this isn't new to us, right? Though it has become very popular in the last few years, especially during the presidential election cycle. But conspiracy theories have been around since the dawn of time. I mean, just look back a, a short while to the uh, the JFK assassination conspiracy. Uh, I, I'm sure you've heard numerous conspiracy theories about Area 51. Uh, you've probably heard them about the Illuminati or some secret society that is really controlling the entire um, fate of the the planet. Um, You know, small things like the the belief that Hitler never really died, that he just faked his death. I mean, those are all conspiracy theories that we've grown up with. And there's many, many more where these came from. But did you know that we came by it honestly? I mean, I would suggest that this whole concept of conspiracy theories didn't even start on Earth that it was a thing before we were even living on this planet. For the Christians in the room, you know where I'm going with this, right? As Christians, we believe in God, and we believe in Satan, or at least most of us do. Satan, or Lucifer as he was called in heaven, lived in a perfect environment, right? Completely devoid of sin. And yet, somehow, Lucifer was able to manifest sin within himself, It started as a very small negative thought, maybe irritation or frustration with God. But this new thing that he found inside of himself was a small piece of the sin virus, a speck of something that had not previously existed. And he took this small seed of sin and he watered it, he grew it, he gave it sunshine, he gave it attention until it matured into what I would call a manifesto, right? And this manifesto was really the birthplace of conspiracy theories. Lucifer concocted this plan to get others on board, right? He had to present his manifesto to the other angels to get them to believe him. So he created logical reasons why he was right. He came up with new explanations about God that the angels had never heard before. Instead of God being loving and wanting what was best for his created beings, God was painted as selfish, controlling, and unwilling to allow the angels to reach their full potential. Lucifer was convincing, and he kept at it day after day, slowly pulling more and more of the angels to his side. Now, this is hard for us to believe, right? I mean, we look back and we're like, why on earth would they fall for that? They lived in heaven. There was no pain, no suffering, no problems. Why on earth would you switch sides and align yourself with somebody who wanted to overthrow all of that? Well, let me suggest two reasons. First, the angels had no context like we do, right? All the angels knew was perfection. 
So in their minds, they probably didn't see it between uh, like a choice between uh, perfection and sin. They probably just felt like they were choosing a different version of perfection or possibly that they had been duped by God. So they were choosing what they actually thought to be a superior experience. Now, the second part is I don't think that we give Satan enough credit, right? We have this cartoon view of him here on earth, but the Bible makes him out to be this superior angel, an angel of light that uh, is incredibly smart and incredibly convincing. So what he told the other angels was probably hard for them to resist and to refute. So there you have it, right? The original conspiracy theory. But it didn't stop there. In fact, Satan took this theory and he used it on us, which is why I say we came by it honestly. The book of Genesis explains that it was used three times before the sin virus actually entered the earth, right? So here are those three times. First, Satan and his minions were removed from heaven and forced to reside here on earth. In order to ensure our freedom of choice, God placed two trees in the Garden of Eden the garden that Adam and Eve lived in. One of them they could eat from, the other they were to stay away from. And Satan was allowed access to that one tree alone, the one that the the human beings were supposed to stay away from. That was the tree that Satan had access to. So one day when Eve walked by, Satan began talking to her. He used the same conspiracy theory that worked on the angels to get her attention. God is hiding something from you. He knows that if you eat the fruit from this tree, your mind will be open. You will be like God yourself. He says you will die, but don't believe that. It's just a hoax, a lie to keep you scared. So Eve believed what Satan said. She ate the fruit, and then she used the same logic on Adam. And when God asked Eve what she had done, she developed a conspiracy theory of her own. She told God that the serpent, Satan, made her do it. Next, God asked Adam why he had eaten the fruit, and Adam created a conspiracy conspiracy theory too, that he didn't have a choice. Eve made him do it. And there you go, three conspiracy theories before things even really got started here on earth. But that's all it took, right? Eating the fruit from the tree did exactly what God told them it would do. It opened their minds to the truth about the sin virus. Their choices brought it into the perfect world that God had created for them. They immediately saw the change from perfect to imperfect, eternal to temporal. And they understood the concept of death, that everything would now have an end point instead of being able to live forever. Such an unfortunate ending, all because they fell for a conspiracy theory. But we're no different, right? Since the dawn of time, We have lived with the sin virus, and we have fallen for conspiracy theories over and over again. In fact, some of us have made up our own. They're part of us, right? This is something that has existed for as long as we have. But it's up to us whether we fall for them or not, and whether we perpetuate them or not with those around us. So in our day, conspiracy theories come from many different places. So let's walk through just a few areas where we see conspiracy theories taking over. First, it comes with religious and spiritual beliefs or your worldview. 
So based on how you were raised or what religion you're part of, or even what generation you find yourself in, uh, you may have certain conspiracy theories that you are part of, right? Think about the, the Middle East and the tension between Israel and Palestine, two very different religious worldviews. And each side has conspiracy theories about the opposing side that has kept them locked in perpetual war. Next, you have cults and fringe groups. So similar to religious and spiritual beliefs, uh, but at times way more devastating, right? Think about some of the groups in this country. Uh, we often refer to them as hate groups or militias. Uh, but these groups basically um, live away from society because of the conspiracy theories that they hold. Um, now pretend that you're a child, right? Growing up in that environment, taught that the government is evil and that they are only out to get you and remove all of your rights, things like that. You know, these conspiracy theories introduce hatred and violence. Uh, you know, when we look back at the attacks on Washington, uh, at the beginning of this year, and that's just a small example of the way that conspiracy theories like this can lead to irrational behavior. Next, we have movies, television, books, things like that. You know, there's probably no better way to put forth a conspiracy theory than by using media, right? Video, audio, and the written word, fiction, science fiction, fantasy, immersive stories that just stick with us, right? And suck us in. Uh, think about Star Wars and Star Trek and how people have literally tried to create the technology from these movies as if the authors knew something about the future that we didn't. So if they're this powerful, right, they're also a perfect medium in which to present conspiracy theories through video. Next, we have popular role models, news, and social media. So there's no getting around the fact that people follow people, right? And when you have a favorite celebrity or someone that you kind of hold up there as, as uh, perfect or as amazing, Right. Sometimes the thing that the things that they say hold too much weight with you. Right. You're more likely to believe what they're saying simply because you like them a lot. Next, news outlets, notorious for shading and bending the truth in order to shape the public's perception. Right. How do we know this? It's simple. Just watch two different news stations on the same story. Right. Watch CNN, then switch over to Fox News and watch them report on the exact same event. And notice how totally different they have uh, explanations for what happened. This to me is just proof. It's proof that there's no such thing as fair, balanced, and unbiased news. When you report on something, you will always bring your bias or the bias of your network to the table. And then we have social media, right? This new phenomenon where you have a constant stream of conspiracy theories coming at you night and day, every day. Uh, if you watch the documentary on social media called The Social Dilemma, you know that artificial intelligence is already being leveraged to quickly sift through billions and billions of interactions a second to make decisions on what content is hidden, what content we see, what content trends, and what is viewed as popular. This is the perfect storm for conspiracy theories, right? All it takes, let's illustrate, right? All it takes is one person posting something that isn't true. Let's say a lie about an elected official, for example. Then a thousand people connected to that one user hit the like button. Then 
that spreads it to even more. And then let's say 10,000 people see the post. And this ripple effect takes over. And soon this lie or this conspiracy theory is an is actually a trending topic that everyone is seeing in their feeds around the world. Now, the dangerous thing is that artificial intelligence doesn't care, right? It doesn't have morals or values like we do. It doesn't care if the content is true or not, only if it is popular, trending, or capable of going viral. So this is the perfect storm, like I said, for conspiracy theories to spread and impact the widest possible audience. Next, we have a lack of knowledge or not having a belief structure at all. This one's pretty straightforward, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But you've heard the old saying, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything or something like that. And it's true, right? When you haven't made up your mind about something very basic, you're more likely to be tossed around a bit. Life will be that much more difficult to navigate. And then finally, we have Satan's influence on conspiracy theories. So Satan loves nothing more than to create them, to help us create them, and to throw gasoline on them to keep them burning. It's key for him because conspiracy theories keep us floundering, right? They keep us misinformed, misguided, suspicious, polarized, fearful, anxious, right where he wants us. No peace, no foundation nothing solid to stand on. Number two, your beliefs drive your experience. So now that we have a clear understanding as to what conspiracy theories are and where they come from, we can analyze our own unique situation, right? Which of the ones that we just talked about has the biggest impact on us? Because the truth is what you believe will drive the experience you have in life. Or another way to say it, Perception equals reality. In other words, how we perceive the world is our reality, even if it's wrong. For example, if we perceive that the earth is flat, then to us it's flat. That's our reality. It doesn't matter that the earth is actually round. So the same applies to us, right? Our beliefs and the conspiracy theories that we entertain determine our reality, what we expect to get out of the world or how we expect the world to work. So we're going to look at some of these, um, but in order to do that, I have to basically show you, I have to get transparent about the ones that impact me. So as I'm doing this, think about yourself and the, the way that some of these categories may impact you. So first, I grew up, like I said, with traditional Christianity. So for me, I have to admit that it had an impact on my worldview. I have to be honest with myself that there were things I learned that weren't always true. Conspiracy theories, if you will, because of my religious upbringing. I would say that I had a legalistic outlook on life, a subconscious belief that you had to be perfect or you would go to hell. I had this tendency to look down on other people who weren't Christians, right? People who believed something else or believed in nothing. Uh, I had this belief that poor people or homeless people just didn't have the drive to be better, that they just needed to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and work harder. And I believed that the church was better than the world, that pastors and leaders in the church must be different because they were Christian people, that a church should run smoothly, uh, unlike a for-profit business, because the church had the truth. Next, I would say that I was highly influenced by news and social media, 
and still to this day, I get caught up in this at times, right? I find myself watching news coverage, reading things online, and just accepting them as the gospel truth instead of questioning them and asking if it could be more opinion than truth. Uh, it got to the point during the election last year that uh, Tammy and I almost stopped watching the news altogether. Uh, and she's held on to that to this day. Uh, she still asks me at night, why is the news on? Can we just change the channel? This is ridiculous. Because as time goes on, the news is becoming more and more focused on the sensational, the negative. And it's getting harder and harder to know if what's being reported even has anything to do with what the average American believes about the world. Next, you throw in social media and I'm toast, right? Uh, I had to remove Facebook from my phone last year in order to maintain my sanity. Uh, and Instagram isn't too far behind, right? The amount of content that's coming our way, content that we don't ask to see, is mind-boggling, right? If I was able to just pick the accounts I wanted to follow and that's all I saw, I would be all about it, right? That'd be great. But the current reality is that social media, or at least most platforms on social media, have become less about me connecting with the people that I choose and more about companies having direct access to my eyeballs 24 7 365. So those are two huge ones for me. Now, when I explained the whole traditional Christianity list, right, some of you may be thinking, but those aren't conspiracy theories, right? Um, you know, those are still beliefs that many churches talk about and preach today. And you would be right. But as I have grown and matured, I no longer believe the things that I listed. I realized that these weren't official teachings of the church that I attended, nor were these necessarily things that my parents taught me word for word. There's a good chance that I came up with these on my own, that I somehow extrapolated these beliefs from the legalistic nature of the religion I was brought up in, and the fact that the grace side of things was rarely ever discussed. This is why I refer to them more as conspiracy theories and not just faulty beliefs, because they weren't beliefs that were taught to me. These were theories that I came up with through my own faulty thinking. Next, I probably don't need to explain news and social media and all of that any further. That should be pretty obvious. So what about you? When you look back on your life, can you see areas like this that were defined by conspiracy theories, uh, beliefs that you fell hook, line, and sinker for, uh, only to grow out of them later in life and wonder why they seem so logical back then, right? Or can you see some of these things in your life right now? Are there things that you are choosing to believe, but you aren't quite sure why? Number three, knowledge is king. So it should make sense then that in order to correctly see conspiracy theories for what they are and to keep them from, from impacting us or to keep from falling for them, we need one thing, brains. We need smarts. We need knowledge. We need good deduction and reasoning skills. Or more concisely, we need to become critical thinkers. But what does that mean specifically, right? Well, dictionary.com explains critical thinking as disciplined thinking, thinking that is clear, rational, open-minded, and informed by evidence. 
you know, it's funny, I actually had to take a class in college called Critical Thinking for the Modern World. And it was eye opening. I mean, it was like somebody turned a spotlight on, right? One that highlighted all of my faulty thinking, assumptions, irrational beliefs, things that I believe without actually having any evidence to support them. And yes, even conspiracy theories, right? And how you can be susceptible to them. And while we don't have time to walk through the finer points of critical thinking, uh, here are at least three ways that you could start thinking more critically moving forward. One, solidify your beliefs before entertaining conspiracy theories. This is so important. It's foundational, right? It goes back to that whole, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything statement that we talked about earlier. The best way to ward off unwanted conspiracy theories is to have a solid belief system in place before they hit you, right? That way you'll have a good filter to run these theories through. And the, the inappropriate things or the inaccurate things or the falsehoods will be that much easier to spot. Number two, answer the big three questions. These questions come straight out of controversy theory, right? Basic assumption number three. Can you remember what these are for those of you who've been around for a while? Question number one, where do I come from? Question number two, why am I here? And question number three, where do I go when I die? Now, question number one is the origin question, right? Where do I come from? Question number two is the question about purpose and meaning. And then question number three is the destination question, right? Where do we go when we die? Now, these three questions are foundational. Like the belief system we thought we talked about in number one, these three questions help to make up that belief system. And unfortunately, this is where many, 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 many of the conspiracy theories come from. They attack these three questions and the answers to these questions. So I'm sure if you just sat and thought for a little bit, you could, you could think about, uh, think back on your life and be like, yes, I remember conspiracy theories about where we came from, why we're here, our purpose, and, you know, what happens in the future. There are many conspiracy theories related to those three things. And finally, number three, begin with the ending. So another way to keep conspiracy theories from overpowering us is to know what we believe about the way things end. The big word for this is eschatology, the study of end time events. What happens in the world? What happens to our world? What happens to us? In essence, it's like reading the last chapter of a book before reading the book right? You know the ending. So when you get to a scary part of the book, it isn't that scary because you already know how it all works out in the end. Having this worldview is important now more than ever because right now this is where conspiracy theorists are making their money. Think about it. How many of the conspiracy theories you've heard lately have to do with the end of time? with the world ending, right? With evil plots behind the scenes, trying to overthrow governments or democracies. Theories about UFOs, theories about aliens, theories about global warming, or theories that global warming is just a hoax. See how many of these are tied to our future, to our existence, to the big three questions? So there you have it. Three ways to resist conspiracy theories before they grab a hold of you. First, know what you believe. Second, answer the big three questions. And three, 
begin with the ending. So let's land the plane. This week, ask yourself the following questions. What do I believe about conspiracy theories? Can I see how they started and and just how dangerous they can be to us as humans? Number two, if perception equals reality, how am I perceiving the world? Am I falling for conspiracy theories that in turn cloud my judgment? And finally, if knowledge is king, how can I think more critically this week? Have I answered the big three questions? And what can I do to become more familiar with end time events? Knowledge that can actually help me avoid conspiracy theories in the future. And that's it, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad you chose to hang out with us today. Uh, Love spending this time with you guys and walking through uh, interesting topics like this. So have a great week, everyone. Avoid those conspiracy theories. And as always, keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.